Clearing roads, carving new roads must be very difficult and hard work. I've never done it myself. I've carved paths through dense woods, but never made a road. And many times in the United States, I think we take our road system for granted. We only think about them when, as is in the case most of the time in Boston, they're in perpetual states of renovation or repair. But trust me, good roads are something that you definitely miss when they are gone. People ask me all the time what I missed most about America when I was living abroad, what stood out about being in the United States. And it always surprised them that I said, highways, overpasses, sewer systems, and clean running water. Unbelievably important things and things that we take for granted. Imagine cutting roads west of here, cutting a highway through mountain ranges with dynamite, or clearing water runoff systems so that the road doesn't destroy the farm down the hill. It is difficult work. It takes decades. Well, today, this is the story of a prophet that makes straight the way of the Lord. A prophet who prepares Israel for her king, and it is a dynamic and transformative ministry. The Gospel of Mark tells us that this is the beginning of the story. The story about the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And Christ, of course, is not his last name. It's the title, the anointed one. It's the Greek version of Messiah. Not only that, but the son of God. It is a story about how Jesus is revealed to the world as king. Well, the people of Israel have been waiting a long time. They've been waiting a long time for their king and their salvation to come. And it was slow to come. In our Bible, there is about a 400-year gap between the close of the Old Testament and the beginning of Matthew. And that beginning is where John the Baptist arrives on the scene. Now, the Catholic Church and uh, other traditions have a number of sacred texts that are written in the middle. That's what we call the Apocrypha. And if you ever want to know a little bit more about the history in between the Old Testament and the New, I highly recommend that you read the books of Maccabees. They're the story of Israel expelling the Greeks, the Seleucids. It's a very interesting read, and it helps us understand the background and mindset of Jews in Jesus' day. Well, now it's been hundreds of years since they've returned from exile, and now they're stuck under Roman rule again, under a different kind of exile. And furthermore, the word of the Lord has not come to the people from a prophet in hundreds of years either. It has been a long drought of the word of God to his people. But despite the long waiting, they are in no way at all prepared for this coming, the coming of Jesus. They might have felt ready. They might have been ready for the Romans to get their comeuppance. They might have been ready to restore the ritual purity of the kingdom by kicking out the Gentiles. They were ready to be vindicated, but they were not yet ready to be restored. They were ready to be proved right. They were not ready to be made right, to be part of the kingdom of God. 
Now, long before this period of time, the prophet Isaiah spoke about the Lord's coming and what would prepare the way of the Lord. A voice calling in the wilderness. Let's listen to those words from Isaiah 40 again. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term. That her penalty is paid. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins already. A voice cries out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill made low. And uneven ground can become level and rough places plain. Difficult work, remember? Then the glory of God shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. When the Lord is ready, you will hear a voice calling in the wilderness. And when you hear the word wilderness, what is the first thing you think of? Exodus. You're supposed to think of Exodus, the people in the desert, in the wilderness. And the voice of the wilderness should remind you of Moses and Sinai. A voice is calling to the people of Israel, a voice calling from the wilderness, a long wilderness that never seems to end. And the Lord is telling us something already. Where does the voice of the Lord lead the people? To the promised land. And what stands between the wilderness and the promised land? The river Jordan. He leads them to the Jordan River, John the Baptist. And he asks them to wade into it again. John the Baptist comes onto the scene in Jerusalem the son of a prominent priest. But he is not priestly at all. He's strange and he's prophetic. He dresses weird. He eats weird stuff. I imagine his hair is in tatters. And he isn't shy either. He starts to preach. And he gains a huge following. Now, it's really hard to measure these things. Uh, But the ministry of John was massively transformative. Now, I I used to think of John with just a few hundred people out by the river a few months before Jesus shows up. But that does not do justice, really, to what is happening here. Mark is pretty sparse on words, but from other parts of the New Testament and Scripture, we see that John was an absolute rock star in the whole region. First, we find out later in the Gospel that King Herod is frustrated by John's critique of his marriage, but in Mark chapter 6, we're told that the king feared him and protected him until he is tricked into executing him. Now, Herod is a vicious but brilliant military leader. If he is afraid of John, it means that John has enormous influence with people. It's the only reason he would ever be afraid of John the Baptist, is that he had enormous influence influence among the people. Second, in the book of Acts, Paul travels all the way to what is now Turkey and finds disciples of John the Baptist in Ephesus, 
nearly 2,000 kilometers from where John was preaching, and almost a decade after John has died. If there were disciples of John all the way out in Turkey that long after John's message, it suggests that John's following was enormous. And it spread through the the Jewish diaspora all across the Mediterranean. When the text says there is a voice calling out in the wilderness, this is a loud voice. It's dynamite. It was a voice that echoed for thousands of miles around, and it made kings cower. It was a voice that spoke the word of the Lord to the people to make ready the coming of God to be with us, or Emmanuel, the coming king. And of course, the king just happens to be John's cousin. But what did this voice say? What was the word of the Lord that leveled mountains and filled valleys that Mark is telling us we should listen to ourselves? John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness and proclaims a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole of the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. John knows that the kingdom is coming. He knows that the king is near, that the people of Israel are not at all ready. And so he calls them back to where it all began. He calls them to the Jordan, where they first crossed into the promised land. John's ministry works on two levels. One, it begins to shake the Jewish elite in Jerusalem and the puppet king, Herod. And it announces something cataclysmic is about to happen. He shakes the world up. But most importantly... He is preparing the soil of people's heart for what is about to come. The new kingdom of God, which will transform their vision for God's purposes in the world. It will stun them and surprise them and offend them. This repentance, it comes first. It is the thing that makes the road clear. It's the way that John clears the path in the wilderness. It makes mountains lie down and lifts valleys up. It is the thing that prepared the way for Jesus to come, to be Lord. And, of course, Jesus is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord does come. And he does give us his spirit. His sh- uh, he shares his kingdom with us as heirs of God. And when we are prepared, we receive, uh, when we are prepared, we are gifted to continue the work of John to announce that the king has come and that the king is still coming again. The Advent season, this season, is one where we're meant to repent and prepare our hearts and to make straight the path of the Spirit to expand its home in each of us. Repentance, the Greek word is metanoia, to change one's mind, to have a transformed mind, as Paul puts it in Romans 12. And that transformed mind clears the way for us for the coming of the King. 
And I want to make a very, very simple and humble suggestion about what this means for us. I want to suggest in Advent that it means making space in our lives for the King, Jesus, to be our King. Space in our lives for the King to be our King. It means making the road clear for the Spirit to convict and encourage and embolden us. And that clearing process is not always comfortable. Sometimes it's very difficult work. Making a road is difficult, is as difficult as the terrain that you find yourself on. Now, I imagine that when terrain is flat and stable, that making a clear path, a highway for our God, is pretty easy work. But when the path is mountainous and made of granite or very soft and boggy, I imagine it would be a nightmare to try to build a road through it. I am sure it was a lot more fun, for instance, to be the person building a highway across South Dakota than it was through the middle of West Virginia. And when we turn to our own lives, the same thing is true. There are going to be places where making a clear path is going to be easy. and There are going to be places where making a clear path is painful and difficult work. Repentance is the ability to make those places clear by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord asks us to be diligent, to have intention to do it. And I want to suggest that there are a few areas where we might, this Advent, make space for the Lord's coming in these weeks. And as always, um, I'm preaching as much to myself as I am to any of you. In fact, oftentimes when I make suggestions, there are suggestions that I think I need in my own life and that I might share with the rest of you in case it also applies. One, I think we need to make space in our lives, in our time for the Lord. I've been working uh, to be a lot more diligent at not just reading scripture, but reading scripture without it being a avenue towards something else. As a pastor, sometimes every time I sit down in scripture, I'm wanting to be able to do something with it, create something with it, prepare myself for a sermon or something else. But making space for the Lord in our time means making space for us to actually just be with God in scripture and prayer together. For me, that's, that's harder than it ought to be. One of the ways that we as a church have been entering into this time for the last year is through our theme of prayer and peace. And we've been trying to do Lectio Divina, like we've started to do in neighborhood groups. Um, we've encouraged people to, to get spiritual direction. Um, and also we've started this prayer podcast, and this has been hugely helpful for me. Um, I'm able to just close my eyes and pray with someone through the morning office or hear Lectio Divina carve out a space and time where all I have to do is shut my eyes and go into the presence of the Lord. And so I, I'd encourage you, if, if that's something that you find difficult to do to find time, check out our prayer podcast um, and try to listen to it every day. So one, make space in the time that you have. Two, make space in your immediate community. Now, 
if you're a single person, maybe that's your roommates. And maybe if your roommates aren't believers, then maybe a, a close group of friends that you know that are. If you're married and have kids, maybe this is your family. Maybe the bubble that you have during COVID, right? And think about ways that you can practice the awaiting of Jesus together. Whether it's reading a Bible uh, story together, praying, uh, doing an Advent calendar, giving space for the Lord to speak into one another, and importantly, using those difficult close relationships to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit show you your own areas of selfishness. This is one of the chief uh, ways that God teaches me about my own sin in places where I need to repent uh, is through my children and through my wife, through the people that I've lived with in the past. The space we give the Lord in seasons like this shows the importance in our homes and groups and families. And so I, be intentional about this. Give yourself to this. And at the same time, give yourself grace. If you have like I do, sometimes the very best laid plans can be thwarted by a temper tantrum or something else. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Just try to do something. Be consistent and sincere. So one, make space in your time. Two, make space in your immediate community. And three, make space in your finances. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, there have been a number of times in my life and in this, even in this past year where I have been irrationally worried about money. Uh, I have found that giving money away, however, is also giving away money's power over me away. Um, if our reaction to fear and worries about finances is to try to clench on tighter to them, then we will find that money has more and more power over us. But when we are willing to be open-handed and generous, we find that money has less and less power over us. It's saying that money is a tool and not our master. Now, whether that is $1 or $1,000 really doesn't matter. There are lots of ways and situations in which uh, giving $1 is a sacrificial gift, or maybe $10,000, just depending on your circumstances. The point is this, that we should make space in our finances for the Lord. Now, there are lots of good ministries and organizations out there, and I would urge you to make space in your lives, whatever that looks like, small or large, for others in this time. And pray for God to direct you as you do that. So make space in your time, make space in your immediate community, and make space in your finances. And seek the Lord. Go to the Lord and ask for him to make straight a path in your heart for the Holy Spirit to bear new fruit as we await the coming of the Lord in this season. When John calls out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight a desert and the highway for our God, it is a call for us to make space in our lives through repentance.
And we make space because we know that we can fill it. We can fill it with our coming King's reign. We can fill it with God's own Holy Spirit and the joy and hope and peace that it brings.